And so he just came back and said it's perfect. So for all, for all of you who are not part of Ignition, I apologize on Facebook, but uh, but we have our family with us in Nigeria, and they were with us during communion this morning, and we got to be together and all that. And Michael, you are not allowed to text me while I'm preaching, especially if you're making fun of me. You me a loser. <laughs> But I don't want to forget what the Lord told me that last song. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in declaring the name of Jesus. There's power in shouting the name of Jesus. So let's do it. Jesus! The enemy runs from that name. The enemy runs from that name because it is that name that represents the name above all names. That name represents the one who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and gave that life on the cross for you and for me. That's the power that that name represents. You understand? Do you understand the wielding power? Because, see, when you have relationship with Him, that wielding power then is used through you. Because if you don't know Him, If you don't know him as Savior, you could scream, Jesus. You muted your. Did I mute myself? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I need help. I, I no, I didn't. I didn't mute myself. You went away. Okay, is that better? Yeah. Yes. No, I, I think what it was was that mic was picking me up also, so when I muted that mic, it, it uh, didn't. Maybe that's why it fe- did the feedback, actually. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, and even more than that, if you don't know Him in relationship, there isn't the same power behind you declaring. Not that there's not the power behind the name, because there is. But there is you declaring it when you are in agreement in relationship with Him. There is power in that declaration. There is power in your words. Think of it this way. When Jesus was on this earth, the Father and Him had this symbiotic relationship where the Father spoke through Him. And it was that very power that spoke through Him that brought on the miracles that you saw in Jesus' life. See, because Jesus even said Himself, He did nothing outside of what the Father did through Him. Think about that for a second. God, the Son of God, who came to earth, became a man. He had the choice. He was still God. He had the choice to operate as God in a man's body. But see, that would have negated the whole thing of Him giving His life for us. Because He had to come and operate just as we operate. There's a reason for that. 
if so he could show us first that it's even possible and second that it's not only possible but it's what he expects and that's done in relationship with the father see Jesus paved the way where there was no way right there was sin there was a gulf between us and God because of sin Jesus bridged that gap so it's from that bridge we can have a relationship with the father we can have the same power in us and running through us that raised him from the dead we're given a deposit of that power that has a very specific purpose and that's Ephesians 1:13 and 14 that when we accept Jesus Christ on uh, into our lives and we accept him as Messiah we are given the seal of the Holy Spirit right but please understand and this is where so many charismatic churches go wrong there's the expectation that well now I have the Holy Spirit so I can do blank blank and blank you couldn't be more wrong. Because what you have is a seal of decision that you made to accept him into your heart. You do not have the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Not even close. Because that is something that is built in relationship. That is something that is built in obedience. In John 15 where we start out as servants and we become friends because he's in operation through us. You know Paul said more of you less of me. That's a very simple statement, right? And I think we have songs about that. But in reality, the truth is that is relationship. That is the manifestation of power in our life. It has to be less of us. Because if it's kind of equal us and God, then our sin, our human wisdom will trump what God's trying to do in us. It doesn't work that way. The church has tried to do it that way for 2000 years. And it doesn't work. It has to be all of him. That's what it was with Jesus. Jesus said, I did nothing except through the Father. Nothing except through the Father. And he said, we're to be like him. In fact, if we're like him, we're going to see more than he saw. Why? Because he went to the Father. And it says in Deuteronomy where two witnesses, two or three witnesses are, then truth is established. We have a witness before God with us. When we go and we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, we have the two that's required. Now where it gets good is when you start adding to that. When you have three, when you have four, when you have five, when you have ten, when you have twenty, when you have a hundred, when you have a thousand... When you have these hearts that are so in tuned with Jesus Christ in relationship with Him and unified together. See, I'll tell you and understand this. 
from the beginning of the church until now, that has never happened. You've had pockets of it. But from the very beginning of the bride, back in the book of Acts, you see the enemy come in in sly ways to divide. Even right away. I mean, Paul had to come out against Peter and John for that very thing. So there was division in the church from the very beginning. Never has there been a ready bride that is unified, completely unified, and moving forward in his power. Why do you think he says he's doing a new thing? Because it's never been done. His ready bride is a unified bride. It starts with obedience, and, and the thing that he had been laying on my heart throughout this week was this idea that obedience is not a decision, it's a walk. Right? The obedience doesn't come in the decision to obey. It starts there, but that's not the obedience. The obedience is when you walk it out. It's just like Jesus said, you know, what if you had two sons and one, you, you told them both to go into the field and one said, oh, yes, I'll go, I'll go and I'll work hard and then doesn't go. And the other one says, no, man, I, I, I'm on my iPad, i got to do this, i got to do that. And then he goes. Which one was obedient? Jesus said the second one, right? It was not the one that necessarily declared that he would be obedient, it was the one who walked in that obedience. There's something special about that. Because, see, it takes endurance. It takes when things get hard for it to continue walking through it. Don't worry about what's going on downstairs. See, the obedience is in the walk. It's interesting because when I was first told about this warfare coming against the church, I mean, I'll be honest with you, my, my reaction to that is probably the same way I react every time. Not a whole lot of surprise. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I fully expect that. What I don't understand is when the enemy will finally learn that what he intends for evil, God can turn to good. Right. You know, it, it's like he almost works against himself. You know, if, if he would just, because he knows Scripture, if he would just understand and believe Scripture, he'd be a whole lot better off. But if that were the case, then we wouldn't have a Satan, would we? Okay. Or we wouldn't have anything coming against But coming against is also part of the obedience. You ever make a decision to do something because God told you to do it? And it was easy for a while. It's like, man, I'm seeing the fruit of this. I'm seeing the fruit of this walk, and I'm seeing this relationship thing, and I'm really feeling this, and it's going good. And then all of a sudden, you, you run into trials, right? 
And we've all been there. Okay, well, I, I recognize this as a trial, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through this. Lord, you told me to do this, so I trust you. Okay? And you move through it, and you grow from it. And that relationship bond tightens. And you do this time and time again. You know, but then it comes a time, and, and I'm speaking from experience here, guys. It comes a time where, where it just seems like a cycle of warfare, victory, little bit of pause. Warfare, victory, little bit of pause. Warfare, victory, little bit of pause. But we never climb the step. You see what I'm saying? We never experience the promises that God has promised in terms of the physicality of things we know are coming. I had this dream last night. I had two dreams last night. I, the first one is driving me insane because I can't remember two specific things about it, and I know they were important. So whatever. I'll, I'll tell you the first one, though, and then I'll tell you the other one. The first one, this dream, I was walking down a road, and it, it was clearly in a, you know, I mean, the roads were nice. So was, I'm, I'm guessing it was here. Um, but I'm walking down a sidewalk, and then I, I, I can't remember what was on the side of me. It was either a wall or something, and then something was over here. So it forced me to walk into the back of this truck. You know how, how a big, like a cargo truck, they have the double doors open, and you could step up into them. And so I'd step up into this truck, and it's an ice cream truck. And I thought, this is cool. But I, but I couldn't. Go, I had to keep going forward, and I couldn't go anywhere else. I had to go into this truck, and I'm, I'm walking through this truck, and this guy's sitting there, kind of like, "What are you doing in my truck?" And I'm just passing through, apparently. But he said, "Do you want an ice cream?" And I said, "I do want an ice cream." <laughs> and, I, and I pulled out my cash, and 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 I said, "Yeah, but I, I'm I'm short. I don't have enough for the ice cream." And he said, that's okay. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out change in this hand and change in this hand. And he said, and he told me the numbers. That's what's driving me nuts because I can't remember the numbers. I think one was 12, like 12 cents and the other. I, I, it's driving me nuts. But he said, here, you have this and you have this. Put this with yours and you have enough. And I thought, awesome. Took it, put it with mine, paid him, and I took the ice cream. And then I woke up. That was the first dream. Second dream, Alexis and I were, it was almost like a camp, but yet the buildings were nice buildings. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I don't know. It, I can't quite, I didn't soak in the ambiance apparently enough. But, but we were in, at this camp and we were, we were doing our normal thing, like we had a, a Bible study coming up. It was time for us to do our little Bible study where we had this little group of people there. And, you know, it's all these people you can count on, and we know it's going to happen. And, and Alexis is bugging me because she said, well, you know, have you gone to the Lord yet? And the Lord's going to tell you what to share with them. And I'm, it, which about happens every week, right, every Saturday night about 10 o'clock. You know, has the Lord shown you? No, he hasn't shown me yet. Well, then why do you have the TV on? Shouldn't you be with the Lord? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm watching this, so he could, he could tell me in the morning. He could tell me yesterday if he wanted to. So 
So it was that conversation going on together. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go I'll go and I'll be with the Lord. And, and I, I did, and the Lord gave me a quick word, and I, I go back in there. But then, then all of a sudden, it wasn't the same space. Because I, I walk in, and all these people start showing up. I mean, everybody's showing up. So, so it, it didn't just fill our small group area. It filled the whole building. And it was huge, huge, and different rooms. So I remember walking through this, and I'm thinking, how's everybody going to hear? Like, like if I'm speaking in one room, how's everybody going to hear in the other rooms? And by the way, I never got an answer to that, but that's what I was thinking. And I come around the corner, and I remember the room was enormous. There were these big white square pillars. And I look up front, and there's this, it, it, it was almost like these people got together, and they're like, well, we're about to have a church service, so we need a choir. So let's get some people up on stage, and let's just put this choir together. And so it was this eclectic group of people up, up in the choir, and, and, but yet they weren't like staggered. They were like in a line. It was, it was a little strange, but but they start playing the piano, and and then that no that no sorry that came later. All of a sudden, the choir director is about to start, and he points over to this lady. And it was this lady, and it was, it's weird, it's, it's like I knew who she was, but I didn't know who she was. I feel I've had her in my dreams before, is how I recognize her. She was a black lady, probably my age, maybe, maybe a little younger. Um, but the choir director points at her, and she, she all of a sudden starts doing this beatbox thing. I mean, you remember beatbox back in the 80s, I think, is when that was popular, where, where it makes all these strange noises that becomes like a, a beat? She starts doing this, and I'm thinking, that's kind of cool, you know, but this is really kind of weird, though. You know, this is church. And I woke up. No clue what it means. Except that God is doing something new. And he's going to bring the people that we don't expect. You know, these are the promises that he's made us. We're, we're this church that's in a house that has been sequestered for five years, being trained by God. And I know I'm saying this online. And to many who know me, many of my family even think, you know, this is, this is our out there relative. But the fact of the matter is, it's true. God didn't allow us to be trained by anyone else because he wanted us to become intimate with his word. Intimate with relationship with him so that he could train us. And he's made promises. He's made promises that are beyond our comprehension. But it's been a while. Right? We're going on five years. It's been a while. And sometimes it's tough to wait for those promises. Sometimes it's tough because the enemy comes in and says, yeah, you know that thing that you believed for so long? Yeah, you're a fool. You got it wrong. You, you misunderstood that. God didn't really have that for you. How many times has God proven out and given confirmation upon confirmation of what he's about to do. 
See, we either believe it or we don't. We either trust in what he's doing or we don't. It's really that simple. Because walking in obedience wasn't the point of saying, I believe you. It was the point of walking until it's true. Right? It's walking until it's true. I want you to turn. Let's, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The person who comes to my mind on this is Abraham. You know, and, and by the way, I find it very interesting. You know, when people say to you that you're, you're just this small church or you're just this small this or this small that, you know, that God isn't going to do anything with that or he can't do anything with that. I'm, I'm going to suggest that they don't know their scripture even a little bit. Because when I look at scripture, everything God does was from something small. Everything. You know, think about it. Well, the first one, obviously, was Adam and Eve. <laughs> he kind of started everything with two, two people. You could even go back and say he started everything with one. Right? But then even, even after the flood, he started it with a single family. Even with the children of Israel, he started it with Abraham and Sarah. It was just small beginnings. Even Jesus, when Jesus came to this earth. He started it with a small group. This small group of apostles that started out as 12 went to 11 and then went to 12 again. And then coupled with some other believers that were at Pentecost, then he, then he starts this thing called the church. But it was with a small group of people that permeated the globe. Why should we be surprised that he's doing that Again, why should we be surprised that the readying of the bride will start with something small? I can tell you why, because it sounds prideful. It sounds prideful to think that God would start something so significant with a small group of people when there are I don't know how many billions of people that say they're Christians. I don't have an answer to that. But I can tell you it's not pride. It's not pride that makes me say that because it's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with this group here. It's got everything to do with our walking out of obedience. Everything. When we say we believe you, why were we picked? have no idea. God's sovereign and God decided to do it that way at this point in history. You know, why, why was Noah picked? Why were his sons picked? Why, why was David picked? And David certainly wasn't the, the choice of Israel. We know how that went down. Saul was the choice of Israel. You know, why were the disciples picked? In reality, you can look at resumes and say, man, Jesus could have done a little bit better job with them. Because they were difficult all the way through. They were competitive. Until the fall of the Holy Spirit. 
Right? So I don't have an answer as to why, but what I can tell you is that he's given us promises. He's told us what he's doing. And our obedience is in us walking that through. Let's look at Abraham. Verse 8 of chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Does that sound a little familiar? By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that had that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Boy, don't forsake that last statement. Because, see, it gave the, the secret to faith right there. If you struggle with faith, if you, if you struggle with believing things that are extraordinary, he just revealed the secret right there. The writer of Hebrews right there revealed it. He said that Abraham's vision wasn't a vision of this earth. Abraham's vision was of a city that was built by the founder being God. Now, I'm sure, I have no doubt, that Abraham believed that that would manifest in front of him. He walked his entire life believing that. But yet, he didn't see it. We could go further down. Uh, verse 39. And all of these, which is including Abraham, obviously, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That is an extraordinary statement. It kind of reminds me of this statement that Jesus made about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the best man that has ever lived, ever, 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 period. By the way, he was including Adam in that. John, ba John the Baptist is the best man ever. And yet, he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he was the last of the law. He was during that transition of where Jesus completed the law, and it was salvation through grace. What came at that moment is the very thing that it says in verse 40. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What did he provide that is better for us? It wasn't a way to heaven, because they had that in the Old Testament. It was his kingdom. It was access to his kingdom. It was understanding that upon Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, he brought his kingdom to make it accessible to us. Boy, I, I don't know about you, that blows me away. Because if you need proof about what he's doing in ignition, all you have to do is understand 
that concept. And understand that His kingdom is available to us right here, right now. That's what He wants to build in us. Why? Because here, it's built by faith. It's built by the very thing Hebrews chapter 11 talks about. When we're with Him, after this life is over and we're with Him, that no longer requires faith because we'll be with Him. Right? Why do you think the rewards, the crowns and the rewards that are going to be given out at the Bema Seat of Christ, why do you think they're based on this life? They're not based on, well, the first thousand years that I spend with Him in heaven. No, it's because faith won't be required there. Because there you'll see face to face. You won't see in a, in a glass dimly like what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. We'll see him face to face. So it is here now that is required by faith. That is the walk of obedience. That is the walk of saying, yes, I believe what you're saying. I receive it into my spirit. I will walk it out no matter what hits me. Now recognize sometimes things that hit are physical things. Sometimes things that hit are mental things. Sometimes it's both. Even the waiting on his promises. You know, I, I thought Lana, God has been speaking through her so purely the last couple of weeks. I don't know if everybody's had a chance to look at it, but if you haven't, go look at it. Because the very day that I wake up, <laughs> And that I'm kind of feeling this way, and, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean in a second. I read her, and it was like it was like it wasn't even Lana talking; it was God talking. But I woke up that morning because every time, like I, I am a hundred percent, I'm a thousand percent in belief for His promises. You can't convince me otherwise. And I'm not talking about just the main ones. I'm talking about all of them. All the things he has told me, everything that he has said he's going to do, there's not one doubt that I have for any of them. The only doubt that creeps into my mind, and it's really not even doubt, is that I don't know when. Just like Abraham, he didn't know when. He didn't know when he would get to walk on the foundations of that city that was built by God. But he had faith and he walked every day toward that, toward that end. That's where I am. I walk fully believing. Now there are certain promises I know have to come in my lifetime because they have to do with my life. <laughs> right? Same with you guys. Same with what he's doing with Ignition. But where I have always hesitated was when it came down to timing. And that's for various reasons. There have been times where I, I thought this or thought that and, and was, was incorrect in my timing of something. So when that comes up, when something gets laid on my heart so heavy about timing, I believe... I fully believe. But 
but but there's this thing back in the back of my mind that says, could I be misunderstanding the timing of this? And the morning that I was actually feeling that the heaviest, I'd pull out Lana and literally word for word, it came against what I was feeling. And, and this has happened a few times. But I, I'm going to tell you this. This next week is pretty special. A week from tomorrow will be extremely special. I'm not going to project into that what that means. But I am going to tell you that if I trust in confirmations at all he has given me, more than probably he wanted to give. It's like, Lord, can you give me another one? Okay, can you give me another one? I know we're 23 of them now, Lord, can you give me another one? A week from tomorrow is going to be a very special day. And we'll see what that means. But I can tell you that the enemy's resistance to what's been going on is futile. It's futile. All he can make you feel is seeing into that glass dimly, where you can't see the clear picture perfect of what God's doing. But that can't change your walk. That can't change your trust. That can't change what you're doing. See, some of us walk in confidence and and we know what's coming. Some of us walk in a little bit of sleep. And and that that's no difference between one or the other. That that's a that's a difference perhaps of of where they're at in relationship, where they're at in their walk, where they're at in their faith. By the way, I'm here to tell you too, there's some of us that have a responsibility to walk in a way that others can't. Because some of us are given a gift of faith. And a gift of faith has a responsibility with it that requires us to be able to step where it's a little harder for others to step. Jen and I have had conversations about this quite a bit because she and I both share that same gift. But it's in the walk. Even for she and I, it's in the walk. It's not in the declaration that I believe you. It's in the proof that I'm walking that out. I want you to turn. Let's see where it is. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Because we have very simple instructions in what he wants us to do. Have I already been up here 45 minutes? It feels like I've been here for like 10 minutes. I, I, I came into this morning thinking, okay, well, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> that is your gift of faith. I, I, I walked into it this morning thinking, you know, I'll be done with what I'm saying in 10 to 15 minutes. So, Alexa, I really hope you have something. I don't know. Does it every time. Let's start at verse 10. 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And again, this Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I want to stop there for a second. Because it's, if you were to take the first part of that, that's easy for us. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay, well, we don't. We don't want to. We have no desire to. And, and, and there would be no expectation that anybody would. But it's the next qualifying statement that makes it tough. But instead, expose them. That's where the church gets hung up. And, and I'm not talking about ignition here. I'm talking about the church. The church gets hung up on the fact of exposing the darkness. When you recognize the darkness, one who has relationship with Jesus Christ, and you recognize the darkness in something, it is politically correct in this country to not say anything. Well, the Lord will show them. Yeah, what if he wants to use you to show them? Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint a picture of what that looks like. If you have a relationship with the Lord and the Lord's using you in that way, trust him to show you how to do it. Okay? Because that's where the legalistic church went like this. And decided, you know, it's easier rather than to have a relationship with Christ, it's easier to come up with these control factors that we could just control the bride with. And then from the outside, everything looks really good. Really good. We've got a great church. And yet there's no intimacy with Christ. And then all of a sudden you see the worship leader having an affair with somebody, or the pastor having this or that, or or somebody embezzling this or that. Now, I'm not saying that sin cannot hit everybody. It can. But what I'm telling you is, if there is a unified body of Christ, it won't. Do you understand what I'm saying? It won't, because the accountability is there. Do you understand that you are my accountability? Yes, I'm accountable to the elders, but I'm accountable to you. Do you know I am accountable to the person on the street? I am accountable because I am accountable. I am, uh, have a relationship with Christ. So because of that, everything in my walk is to be through Him. Jesus gave us that example. So what He's saying here to the church is, don't just Decide not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Anything that becomes visible is light. I declare this in Jesus' name. I declare this over this country, as we have been praying for over two years every night on the prayer call, that the light expose the darkness in this country. You're going to see things happen this week in that. 
I didn't intend to say that. So maybe that was from him. But I'm telling you, he's been doing it. He's been doing it. Now, what needs to happen next is the blindness that is over so many in the church. In the church. Do you know, I was blown away. I, I was blown away by this church group. And it was, it was an association of churches that was going to get together and pray against Donald Trump. Okay, let me tell you how I found out about this church group. And it's a mass movement, okay, of churches. And sad to say, most of them were Baptist churches. Okay, that's how I grew up, Baptist. Guess how I learned about them? Did I learn about them, you know, from charismatic, you know, people? Did I, you know, read Charisma magazine and read about it in there? No. You know how I learned about them? From a witch. Because the Lord had told me to go in on their websites and see what they're doing. And and he started to expose to me different things. And I'm reading their blogs, reading their chatter back and forth. And what they said was, hey, this church group, this overall association all across the United States, on this night they're going to pray against Donald Trump and against what he's doing. And they said, let's plan a night to do it with them. Guys, that that hurt my heart. Because, see, these people are part of the bride. These people are blinded by what's really going on. Because, see, it's not about Donald Trump. It's about the political correctness of the religious spirit that stays hidden in this country. Hidden in our government and even more so hidden in our church. If you think it's been chaotic in the country, oh my goodness. You strap up those boots because it's going to get tough in the bride. I'm going to declare something. I'm going to tell you right now. I had no idea the Lord was going to have me do this. (laughs) See, the cost in the bride is going to be much different than the cost in this government. In the government, you see transparency coming into these dark strongholds. And the cost is moving them out. But see, it's different when you claim Jesus as your Savior. When you're part of the bride, you claim relationship with Him and yet have none. Your cost will be much greater. The cost will be their lives. And you are going to see people drop dead in the middle of that cost. You're going to see pastors drop dead in the pulpit because what they're proclaiming is no longer hidden 
because of the righteousness through relationship that God is doing in the bride and beginning to do. What's he say? Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the drip from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He's saying, Church. He's not talking to those who are unsaved here. He's not talking to witches. He's talking to those who have relationship and are asleep. Those who are saved but yet don't have intimacy. He's saying, wake up. Wake up. See what's around you. See what God wants for his bride. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to call it out. We can't be afraid. And and I'm sure the Lord has shown you many things. Because we've said it many times. At this point in ignition, if you're here at this point, you will be at some point in leadership. And by the way, that's not necessarily leadership in this small church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about leadership in the broad. And he expects you to walk in your obedience. Because, see, we are awake. We do see the corruption. We do call it out. And the rest of the bride needs to do the same. Things are about to change. And I don't mean months from now. I don't mean years from now. Days. I mean, things are about to change. Our concept of what we know of as reality is about to change. For us, good. Man, we've been waiting for that change. We've been excited for that change to come, for the promises that He has given to be fulfilled. For the reading of the bride to move forward. But understand it's going to bring a chaos that makes the chaos in this government look like playtime. You think that it's ruthless there? Wait till he begins to expose the religious spirit. Because the religious spirit is and it's made up of many spirits, by the way. Jezebel, I believe, being one of the strongest. But when that starts to be exposed, you're going to see the most turmoil, but you're going to see God move. You're going to see lives changed in a moment. You're going to see build, people building relationship with Christ that, that never understood it was even possible. You're going to see people come to know the Lord, not just in some label of being a Christian, but in the power of Jesus Christ. You're going to see that in Donald Trump. Early on, I had a vision of him. Early on, and this was before he was the president, before he was elected, the Lord had told me he would be. And then I had this vision of him in the Oval Office. And he had his 
And I didn't even, I wasn't real familiar with the Oval Office, but in my vision, it was that yellow chair that he sits on. And I, I had not recognized that chair except for from this, this vision. But he had his head buried, he, he was on, on the ground on his knees, had his head buried into that chair. Because he was coming to an understanding of the power of a relationship with Christ. You're going to see this over and over and over and over and over again. So walk out your obedience. Walk it out. Don't just declare it. Don't just claim it. But walk it. When it feels like there's a temptation to not believe, like maybe it passed you up, or maybe maybe you got it wrong, or this or that, if something's confirmed, guys, just believe it. Pour your full faith into it. Walk out your obedience. And trust what he's going to do in it. Because training's over. Not that training ever stops, but that phase is over. Those ideas of us being this group in this living room or that group connected in Nigeria, that's coming to an end. It will be like my dream last night. It won't be that, oh, well, we grew by 20% and then another 5% and then, no. <laughs> no, it's going to be going from this tiny little group walking into this building where everybody's everywhere and you, can, you don't even know how to deal with it. Walking to the front just saying, okay, Lord, well, carry my voice because we have no, we have no means for everybody in all these rooms to hear us, so, so just carry my voice. Miraculously do it because I'm not the one that brought me here. You are. Walk out your obedience. Let's come on up. Oh, I did not even record that. I have to figure something out for the podcast thing. Holy Spirit kind of keeps us in kind of the same lane. Is this on? Yes. Um, there is there's an interesting thing that is going to be a result of what will happen that may surprise us. And I was noticing what Jesus said in you know in, in John chapter six, right after the feeding of the five thousand, the next morning. And the people are trying to find him again. And Jesus, we talked about this a little bit in the ladies' class, but where um, Jesus, they were finding him again, and Jesus called them out on the fact that you are only following me because I fed you. You're missing the how I fed you, which was a miraculous act. And and they said, well, well, you know, what is the miraculous sign? Do something miraculous then, so that we'll believe. And Jesus said, because they said, what do you what do you want us to do? And Jesus said. All that is needed to do is just to believe. And some of the things that we see, first of all, I thought it was a great picture of the bride, how that they have, you know, whenever you shift your focus from the provisioner to the provision, you can really think that you're believing because you're being fed or you're being provided for in a particular um, walk of, of, you know, the mantra of your, what you say you believe. 
But yet the reality is, if we ever take our eyes off of how, who provided what we're seeing, we're going to get off course. And these miracles in this religious spirit that he's talking about, it was some of the most explosive, amazing miracles that upset the religious, the true religious spirit more than anything else. In fact, it grew almost a rage within them. Remember when uh, I talked about it, like one of the services recently, that Lazarus himself, when he was raised from the dead, they literally shifted their focus on plotting to kill Jesus and fixated on Lazarus because he was, he personified a miracle of God, the miracle of Jesus. It, it's like it, it brought up the true evil of what that spirit does within you, and it made them want to kill it more because it, it flies in the face of, of the pride and the place of, you know, not wanting to surrender that the religious spirit keeps the people in. And so one thing that will be interesting to see is as God begins to come in, the different prophecies and different things, even what the Lord has said to us, word it differently. Some people call it a tidal wave. Some people call it a, you know, a whatever, a rush of fire or wind or whatever. But it's the move of the Holy Spirit that comes and does, has his way to ready the bride. When the results of his spirit begin to show, you're going to see that line, the stark difference between the line, and see some people will will just believe. Other people will turn way more cold. And I want to encourage you, you know, when he mentioned what he did at the very beginning of the service today, which is that we had a, a warning about a possible disruption. I saw that more as to still on a wider level of, of still what's coming. And sometimes the reaction to warnings is either fear or what can I do? And I really believe that God, in any type of warning of an agenda of the enemy, which is going to always happen, he really wants us to cling and believe every day. Part of walking it out in the battle, in the overcoming battle, and to have the victory is just believing. We've got to believe every single day. And I've noticed that if we decide, or, or if our expectation is that, oh, well, this person, you know, they're really close to surrendering. I think we're going to be surprised to see that the, the reality, the true condition of people's hearts is going to surprise us. Like the people that just think that, that Trump is, is a lost cause, so let's just pray against everything him. Okay, just because he's one of the most notice, noticeable people, well-known people. But even other people, we would say, oh, well, so-and-so is, she, she waffles back and forth, but, but boy, I know when the Spirit falls, she's just going to be so surrendered. She might be one, the whoever she is, just an example, that will wax completely cold because the truth of her heart isn't seen by human eyes. So we've got to cling and we've got to believe because what will be exposed could throw even us. You know? It's like we're going to, the Lord showed me, I don't want to say the name, but it was another well known person that would be the last bottom rung person you would ever think would turn their heart fully to God. Or open their eyes in any way to the truth. And God just showed me a glimpse that, don't be surprised. There will be people that will begin to believe. And the church surely will not believe that they've turned. And so-and-so over here, who you think is so close, I'm going to expose the coldness in their heart. 
and they will turn away. And I don't mean turn, if they're saved, but there's, there were different things that he showed me. Some, some Christians will wax cold. Others will choose to accept Christ, and then some will choose to deny Christ, which we've seen that. But unless we are believing in our own walking it out, those things will throw us. And so we've got to just cling. Every single day, um, and that's what Jesus said in, in John 6, every single day, I think he just wants us to focus on our relationship and walk in the absolute belief of who he is to us in that personal, intimate time. And then everything about his will and the ways that he works is something that we'll just trust moment by moment. Because even Jesus trying to describe the fact that when he was talking to the Pharisees and, and different people that were following him, he said, he said, you know, the wind just blows where it wants. People don't understand it. They don't know where it comes from, but they know it's there. They're going to see it move, but it, it will go where it wants. And he needs our faith in just who he is. Like Paul, when he said in Hebrews, for I know, or excuse me, First Timothy um, in chapter 1, said, for I know whom I have believed. That's why he starts the verse, for the which cause also I suffer also these things. He's, he was willing to suffer because he knew who he believed. Not just what he believed, but he knew the person. And he was fully persuaded that that person will keep that which he's committed unto him against that day. And that's, that's going to be the difference in those that will weather the storm of what the readying of the bride looks like. Because there are many people whose entire foundation is in their doctrine and in their faith. And in, in the doctrine itself. And do, good doctrine, sound biblical doctrine is critically important. I'm not saying that at all. It is critically important. But John said, the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. You cannot extract the Word from the person of God and the person of Jesus. They, they are one. And so... It's, it's so important that as we see the Spirit move in the way that He's going to move, it's just not going to be able to be humanly reasoned. We've got to cling to it and know who we believe and let Him um, keep us in sync with what that's going to look like. And um, I, I just sometimes my, my heart is torn in different directions because the very miracles that will deliver some and save some and cause some to find Christ will in others turn them more against. They will they will give more credit to the fact that if that miracle was done by those people, then wow, they are they are really I thought I wondered before if they were serving Satan, but now I'm sure that's demonic. Isn't that a strange reaction? And yet that's what a picture of Jesus' ministry. I mean that's what people were doing. They were seeing crazy miracles. They were willing to attribute his power to the devil more than to God than to even possibly give any credit to God. So I think it will surprise us. But, um, but again, we just have to walk out every day believing, believing, believing. You know, people were like, what do I do? What do I do? What do we do? Just believe. Jesus said, I encourage you to read John chapter 6. It's great. I've been in the gospel, so I'm spending a lot of time there. Just, just little nuances of how Jesus reacted and responded to the people. And, but the unbelief, the unbelief, people needed um, to have it make sense in their intellect. And, um, and I love how Jesus, he would address scripture and he would address the truth, but he always got right to the heart of the matter. And um, in so many cases, didn't uh, 
just didn't beat around the book. It just got right to the point. So thank you. That's such a great word. I don't know what we're going to do with the podcast with it not being – 